Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. Okay, 7th and 8th graders. You guys sounded fantastic. So tonight, like I said before, we are going to be answering some of the questions that you all asked. And so I brought a few friends with me. My name is Sam. And to my left here is Miss Mallory. Everybody say, what's up, Mallory? Not bad. And then to the left, to the left of Miss Mallory is my buddy Drake. Everybody say, what's up, Drake? And... I am going to be acting as your host this evening, asking a few questions to these two, and they are going to be answering those questions, and as we are answering those questions, please take notes on your bookmarks so that if you are ever asked the same question, you will be able to answer. Sound good? Okay. So, the very first question, the very first question I am going to give to Drake. Are you guys ready to hear Drake's answer tonight? Mm. Yeah. So, Drake, Yo. here's my question for you. And this was a question that the 7th and 8th graders were asking about. And oh, they yeah? wanted to hear what the answer was. So, Drake, how do we know what the Bible says is true? And how did we get the Bible? Ooh, nice. How did we... Let's start with how did we get the Bible. Can I okay. do that? Yeah, how do we get the Bible? Okay, I got some pictures I want to show you. Can I get the timeline up on the screen? So, here's the timeline. Okay. This is a timeline of history starting from Adam to Eve all the way to right now here um, in 2017. Now, everybody look up here at 1500 B.C. That's Moses, time before Christ. That is when Moses began to write the first five books of our Old Testament. So that's when the Bible started to be written. And then uh, in this time right here in between, right after Jesus and his life, we have the New Testament starting to be written as well. And then right here we have uh, Sam was born in 1990, and then I was born in 1994. So that's where it is right here. And now we have this Bible right here. Now I skipped some stuff in between because you don't just get from Moses and Jesus' time all the way to us without um, people, you know, coming up and, and using language and getting it to our language right here. So the Old Testament, the first half of your Bible, was written in a language called Hebrew. So there were scribes and they copied the manuscripts down in Hebrew. And then this is the Hebrew alphabet right here. I can't say the alphabet by memory. But the New Testament was written mostly in the language of Greek. And this is the Greek alphabet right here. Now, you have men um, writing down. These men were inspired by God. They were carried along, the Bible says, by the Holy Spirit to write letters, to write books, to record history with the Holy Spirit. Now, the original authors, we don't have any of their writings. We simply just have uh, copies of their writings. We have these manuscripts where people had to copy hand by hand. Let's show them what it looks like, these codexes that we have. So this is what people had to do. They would have to copy the Bible hand over hand, and if they messed up with that page, they would have to start that whole page over again. They didn't have erasers like you have in school. They had to copy, and they had to be really, really careful. Now, there was a guy named John Wycliffe, and he came with the first English Bible. He wrote the English Bible with his own hand. 
there was something called the Gutenberg Press. I know it's a weird word, but it's when we began to be able to mass manufacture uh, written pages. And there was another guy, um, William Tyndale. He had the first English Bible that was um, printed off. Then we get to our Bible right here. Can I have the Bibles that we have today? There's some of these that you might have. Anybody have an NIV Bible or an NLT Bible or an ESV Bible or the Message Bible? So you guys have Bibles and they've been translated throughout history by people. And this is kind of a chart to where some of them are just paraphrased, maybe like a summary of the Bible. And some of them try to go word for word, translating the Hebrew and the Greek to the correct meaning of um, the English phrase of the sentence or the verse that you have in the Bible right there. So that's how we got the Bible, and we know it's true uh, for a few reasons. One, we know it's true because Jesus uh, referred to the Bible as truth. Jesus said that the Bible is true. Also, there is nothing untrue in the Bible. The Bible never contradicts itself, and the Bible never contradicts history. The Bible is in a historical book with real historical facts in it as well. We can believe that the Bible is true because the Bible never contradicts itself. It lives in reality, and Jesus said it's true as well. So that's my answer. Wow. The Bible took a long time to come to where we have it today. It took a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so next question is for you, Mallory. And um, we talk a lot about prayer here on Wednesday nights. In fact, we even spend a lot of time writing down on prayers. Um, And so our students asked about prayer, and here's the question. They said, if I've been praying to God for a long time, why isn't he answering my prayer? That is a great question. That's a question that many of us have probably thought before, if not all of us. Um, How many of you in here have a best friend? How many of you have best friends, even if they're plural? Okay. Sam. Is it Sam? Sam. This is fun. I love this. Hey. Okay. How, uh, how many in here have a, a, a guardian, whoever you live with? You have people that you do life Sam. every Drake. day. You live with Sam. This is fun. <laughs> okay. And how many of you have an, a, an adult, no matter who they are, that you greatly respect? You greatly respect. Drake. Okay. <laughs> Drake and Sam. This is perfect. This was not planned. Drake and Sam. Okay. So here's the deal. Um, prayer is about communication. Okay. You can't truly, you can't truly be best friends with someone. You can't truly be obedient to someone and you can't truly respect and have reverence for someone if you're not communicating with them. Okay. So these two right here, if they never spoke, if they didn't have a dialogue, If they didn't have communication, they would not have a relationship. And that's what prayer is for us and God. Prayer is communication. Prayer is this relationship builder. And sometimes we can feel unheard. A lot of us can feel unheard. And um, who would say, I mean, be bold, who would say that they felt unheard before? Yeah, even if it's not in prayer, but by an adult or by another peer. Yeah, we all have this fear that we're not being heard. Now, here's one indicator of when you step into a situation where you're feeling not, you're not being heard in prayer is a question like this. Are you the only one talking? Um, in a friendship, this cannot be a mutual friendship. This can't be a shared trust and a good relationship if Drake's the only one doing the talking. If Sam can't ever get a word in edgewise, if Sam never gets to reply and take a moment, 
then this is not a real relationship. And so when it comes to our prayer life, when it comes to um, talking to God and not feeling heard or your prayers are not answered, it's a question of communication. Um, maybe, maybe you're the one doing the talking, and that's not bad. He wants that. But what are you bringing to God? Are you bringing just a list of concerns? Are you just bringing a list, like a grocery list of like, I need this, I want this, I blah, blah, blah. You know, and have that in there. That's not bad. But also, you need to come to this, 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 this creator with respect to say, I also want to come and I want to give you praise and thanksgiving. And when we put that concoction together, that's communication. And, and one of my favorite stories, real quick while I wrap up, is um, the story of a World War II veteran. His name is Desmond Doss. And this is a true story that in uh, World War II, this man, he wanted to be a medic in the military. And he wanted to be a medic. And he said to his captain, he said, while people are taking life, I want to give it. I want to heal it. I want to help heal. And so when he was out there on the battlefield, when he was in base camp and people called him a wimp, people called him a coward because he wouldn't touch a weapon. When people said this about him, it was very hard for him to take that in. But when he was on the battlefield, he, he broke down after so much war and he just cried and he prayed and he said, God, I can't hear you. Lord, what do you want me to do? And there on a battlefield with bodies everywhere, with so much brokenness and hurt, he said, Lord, I can't hear you. What do you want me to do? And he quieted his soul. And I think it's such a wonderful depiction of what we need to do in prayer. Because then, did he hear the voice of God? No. But he heard a man in the field yelling help. That he quieted his soul and he didn't let the chaos around him drown out the voice that God was using to say, go. I'll answer your prayer. What do you want me to do? I want you to go help that person. And that man stayed up on that ridge, and he was a medic in the military, and he said that over and over. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I already helped that one person. And he would hear someone else, and he would pray, Lord, one more, one more. Did he ever hear the voice of God? No. He heard God speaking through his situation, and he saved 75 men who had been left on the battlefield. He quieted his soul and listened to the cry that the Lord was using, and he saved 75 lives in World War II. And that's an amazing story. And that's, I think, the story kind of of prayer. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Well, Mallory, Drake, thank you so much for answering those first two questions. We're going to hear back from them here in just a little bit. Um, but here, um, right now, we come to the time in the service um, that is super, super important. And uh, we come to a time um, called communion. And communion is an opportunity for us to remember what Jesus did on the cross for us. Okay, and if you remember, we've, we've talked about this a lot this semester, that Jesus wants to bring life back into your story. He wants to show you what life could look like if you follow him. And the reason why we have the opportunity to follow him is because he died on the cross to save us from our sins, to save us from our struggles. And when he died on that cross... Right before, right before he died, he gave us two emblems to remember what he was going to do. The bread and the juice. And the bread represents the body that was broken on the cross and the blood and the juice represents the blood that was shed on the cross. And each and every week, we get an opportunity to remember what Jesus did by taking those two things. And so if you believe in Jesus with all of your heart, and if you've confessed him as your savior, 
and you've been baptized into his name, I want to invite you to take the, the blood and the bread and remember what Jesus did for you. And if you haven't made that decision yet, that's okay. Totally fine. Spend some time in prayer talking to God. Okay, so round two of question and answers. Reminder, these were the questions that you guys gave us from last week. And so I just want to give you guys an opportunity to hear some answers from Drake and Mallory again. So get out those storyline bookmarks. And are you guys ready? Ready. Uh, Ready. Okay. So we got this on a storyline bookmark. I said Freddie. Entered in last week. And Mallory, I'm going to give this one to you this evening. So my question, their question for you is, what if we are believing for, or what if we are believing for nothing and Jesus isn't really alive and we are just wasting our lives? That, (laughs) someone's like, whoa. Yeah, that's a really good question. Okay. And so I had seen this question. And so I gave this beautiful lady on the front row a gift before uh, our worship set. So, thank you. Could you come? You want to come stand up here with me? Come on. You here. don't have to Kirsten. speak. You can just come take a seat. Kirsten. Okay. Okay. Kirsten. So, come back right here. Kirsten. Okay. So, we got, I have this, this bag right here. And I gave this to Kirsten before I went back. Okay. And I said to her, don't look in it. Okay. Don't look in it. Don't open it. Did you look in it or open it? No, you did not. She is a good girl. Now, it's a very light bag. Did you ever shake it? Oh, yeah, I did that. She said, oh, yeah, I did that. Who wouldn't do that? I've shaken every gift I've ever been given. I've broken about five, okay? So you shook it, but it's light. Did you ever doubt there was nothing in here? Yeah. Yeah, you doubted nothing was in here? Now, do you think something is in here? I don't know. You don't know? No. You know? Okay, so if I had to give a percentage, like, are you like 50-50 There's something? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's a part of our lives, there's a part of us that always wants, there's something more, okay? There's something more out there. And so I want you to open this and see if anything is actually inside. There's a bag of Skittles. I ain't a liar. You can keep your bag of Skittles and the bag. It's wonderful. What a great present. Here's the deal. Here's the point. How many of you doubted there was something in that bag? Oh, 100%, this guy, pocket tea. He's like, "Uh uh-uh, you didn't put anything in there, lady. Yeah, okay, I taped Skittles to the bottom so it couldn't be shooken. It couldn't be figured out. It was so light. If I gave, if I gave pocket tea, if I gave pocket tea, if I gave him a present right now and I said, pocket tea, don't open this until you are 80 years old. I'd open it first thing, but you can't. Like, I put, like, metal around it. I chained it up. And I said, you will get to open this. Bolt colors. Okay, pocket tee. Um, Move on. But anyway, 
Pocket T here, much like my friend here, would doubt. They would doubt that there wasn't anything in here in, to begin with. They would doubt and say, why am I waiting? Why am I doing this? Blah, 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 blah. Is it worth it? And I'd say that that is a healthy doubt. Okay, we talked last week and Patrick talked about how like we can doubt and we can question things, but we can't stay in that doubt. The thing is, is that man, when he is 80 years old, Pocket T would open that up and he would always want more. There's something inside us as humans. There's something inside us as a piece of creation that will always want more than ourselves. And so to answer this question, if you can follow my train of thought, we will always kind of have this tinge of doubt, but we don't have to stay in it. And at the end of the day, when my life is over, would I rather have waited for something good my whole life or would I rather doubt it and say, I don't know, I don't know, I know, and then go to the gates of heaven and they say, well, you didn't believe. You didn't believe. I wouldn't change my life for anything and I hope you wouldn't either. The Christian has this amazing opportunity to live for someone else, for people that are other than you. And we have that every day of our lives. And when you are content in that, when you're content in saying, I don't know, I'm not knowing, but my life is better because I believe in something greater. My life is better because I don't know all the answers, but at the end of the day, I believe there's something in here. I believe there's something about this that's what we're living for. And at the end of your life, I don't think at all, 100%, I don't think that you would ever change your life if you believed in Jesus. If you didn't and you came to the gates of heaven and you found out it was real, man, that would be heartache. But it's better to believe. It's better to believe in something. Yep, it is. Well, thank you, Melanie. I appreciate that. Um, We have one more question tonight. And it is a simple question, but it is probably the most important question we can answer as Christians. So, Drake, I'm going to give this one to you. Here it is. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Did you just say that was simple? Simple as in it's short, but it's the most important. Well, you guys, most of you probably know the story of Jesus. Um, On Good Friday, Jesus was killed on a cross, and some guys took his body down then there's a guy named Joseph and a guy named Nicodemus. Everybody say, Nick and Joe. Joe. They wrapped Jesus up in these grave clothes, put some spices on him so he wouldn't smell bad, and then they sealed him shut inside of a what? A tomb. Then how many days later? Three. Three. Everybody, on the count of three, I need everybody to say one, two, three. One, One. two, three. There you go. Perfect. (laughs) On the third day, we have this thing that we call the empty tomb. There was an empty tomb. Now, we have to figure out this question. Why is there an empty tomb? The people who don't think that Jesus rose from the dead have a few reasons they think that there's an empty tomb. One of their reasons is they think that Peter and Thomas and John and all these guys, the disciples, went to the tomb late at night and stole Jesus' body. They think the disciples stole Jesus' body. Now, pretend I'm a disciple The tomb was guarded by Roman soldiers, Sam and Mallory. Now, Sam is in the Navy, could beat me up. Mallory is a crazy woman. She could definitely beat me up. I scared half of you. Me, as a disciple, trying to steal Jesus' body against these two, I'm going to get my head knocked in. I'm not going to be able to get Jesus' body out. And even if I got past them, 
no way I'm rolling that, stone, that tomb or the stone out in front of the entrance of the tomb. So we have to answer the question, where is Jesus' body? Why is the tomb empty? I think that Jesus rose from the dead because over 500 people saw Jesus alive after there was an empty tomb. People saw Jesus risen from the dead. I know that was a short answer, but that's what I got for you. So Awesome. Well, thanks, Drake, and thank you, Mallory. Can everybody on the count of three say thanks, Drake and Mallory? One, two, three. Thank you. That's pretty good. Thank you. Well, guys, I hoped um, that answered a few of your questions, and I know that you will have many more um, throughout your life, and that is a good thing. We want you to ask questions, and just like Patrick said last week, when you are in doubt, we want you to search it out. We want you to ask questions. We want you to search through the Bible and look what God says to us. We want you to ask your adult leaders. We want you to talk to your parents. And I know that each and every one of you guys can do that. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get out of here and go to connection groups. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. I thank you that you give us answers to our questions. I thank you that you are a God who cares for us. Lord, I pray for each of these students in this room that they can go out and help other people find answers. And I hope that we can continually ask questions um, so that we can grow closer and closer to you. We love you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Make sure and take your cards and your pencils and put those pencils in the bucket on your way out. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.